Joso. Uh, no. More about gel coat. When the force. Don't you call in the. More importantly. Now the world don't Well, welcome back. TV Talkaholics number 15, now happening, now in your ear holes. <laughs> At least one of my holes is being intruded upon. <laughs> I am your co-host, David Almeida. Hi, David. And I am a talkaholic. Oh. We're still, we haven't done that in a few months. I, I, I suppose that's, that. I did throw you a curveball there. David, I Matthew? don't know if you know this, but the world don't move to the beat of just one drum. <laughs> really? But what, what if something's right for you? It might not be right for some. What? No. The, <sighs> these are revelations, thanks to Canadian Songwriting Hall of Fame composer, the wonderful Alan Thicke. And oh, that has oh. got to be the whitest black person song ever recorded. <laughs> I just realized, well, you haven't introduced yourself. And remember, we had this little glut where you wanted intro music? Yeah, I, I, I noticed found... that we didn't have it last month. Yeah, well, it got, it got uh, uh, overshadowed by the love boat. And uh, I wish this video was visible to the listeners where we could see Matthew playing with his hair. It's quite the mop top. You get quite a, I look like Boris Johnson. <laughs> and if that, if that doesn't make you want to let me intrude upon another hole, I don't know what will. Any who's I found some intro music for you. So I think we need to do a full on and, and my co-host this week, Ladies and gentlemen, as always, live from Lake Buena Vista, Matthew Arder. Thank you so much. Oh my god, that is too much. Oh my god, that is that is sweet. That is sweet. <laughs> Did you like that? You like that? It is. It is so nice to be here, and thank you for remembering Lake Buena Vista. Okay, I, I mean, you, you haven't moved, have you? No, but you used to say, like, from an undisclosed location in Florida or something, and it was like, ugh. <laughs> Lake Buena Vista is in Florida, though, honey. Yeah, but it just sounds a little better. It's like <laughs> it's like when people, like, say, where do you live in New York? Harlem. I don't live in Queens, you know. Like <laughs> Brooklyn. <Ooh. Yeah. laughs> I, don't, I mean, it's like you say Kissimmee. Even when people in Florida are like, oh, you live in Tampa? Oh. <laughs> No, it's got to be bad if people in Florida are like, oh, Tampa. <laughs> I have to admit, I'm I'm kind of that way. No, no, no diss to Tampa, but uh, what? It's no. why? Why is that? Like, you go to Tampa, and it's just like I feel gross when I'm. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, and the weird thing is that Tampa St. Pete is technically a bigger market than the central Florida market. Like if you're a, a local news weatherman or something, it's like, well, I got an offer from Orlando and I got an offer in Tampa. Tampa's the place you wanna be, apparently. Well, if you're a weather guy, cause you're gonna get hurricanes. <laughs> so you're gonna get some, some on air time and get to roll up your sleeves and go out and stand in the pelting rain and tell people not to. This is the <laughs> idiocy of Florida, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. That's it. But for the weather people, this is job security. This is where you want to be. That's for sure. 
How'd you like to be the weather guy in San Diego? <laughs> it's like, it's going to be 70 degrees and gorgeous. Back to you, Ethel. <laughs> well, we are recording this on Wednesday, oh, January the 20th, otherwise known as Inauguration Day. Have you been watching the inauguration, Matthew? Can you feel a brand new day? <laughs> it is like the whiz in my apartment. Mainly because I peed myself a little, but also <laughs> because I have been standing on my coffee table singing, can you feel a brand new day? <laughs> the only thing missing was Richard Pryor from when I was, when I did it originally, I was asked to do it as a special performance in his hotel room. And I'll never forget. I got up on the coffee table and he said, I'm not paying you to talk. <laughs> Well, Matthew, we are here to talk about different strokes again. Uh, <laughs> did, did you How? not love this? Did you not I love just, this? I, oh, God. It, uh, thank God Gary Coleman was on that show. Mm -hmm. Because without him, it is an even bigger turd than it <laughs> is with him. I'm not saying he's the Olivier of sitcoms in the 80s or anything but without him on that show it's like <laughs> that's right because we picked this actually originally i had thought we were going to do this one last time around and the discovery just finding the crossover episodes where we get the facts of life girls on different strokes the discovery was oh arnold is not in this episode we have no gary coleman and it's so odd. And uh, and then you go to the next level of thinking and say, and it's also racist because <laughs> they literally took Tootie from the facts of life and plugged her in. I think they barely changed any of the lines. Well, they also didn't have to adjust the lighting very much because she wasn't <laughs> too much taller, you know, like the taller. direction, the direction didn't have to change much. <laughs> Taller. I thought you meant the lighting for for different purposes. Um, no, they don't have to raise the like you. My goodness. So as a follow up to the last time we did different strokes, which was our November episode, if uh, if you, uh, my lovely tutti fruities who are hearing this, uh, didn't listen to the November episode with that different strokes crossover episode, you may want to listen to that first because we do the standard David deep dive into every nook, cranny, and crevasse of the show and its history and its actors. And the good news is we don't have to rehash all of that today. I don't know what I'm more excited about. Um getting to see you or getting to hear your conrad bain impression oh <laughs> that was the that was the discovery that was the uh the, the revelation i didn't realize my conrad bain was so <laughs> successful it is spot on fast talking mush mouth that's what my brain says and then out it comes and uh we'll, we'll have some conrad later i think i want to wait i want to kind of build up some uh anticipation say it patient uh, but before we start with the new thing, the, the new episode, uh, one little follow-up I thought we could share with the listeners was among the many things we discussed last time was Dana Plato, her troubled life, her unfortunate and untimely uh, death at a young age, but that she had also posed for Playboy at one time. Uh, 
Yes, you did. So I Googled and found the pictures and I texted them to you early one morning. You <laughs> are up very early, David. <laughs> uh, David, it's like you are up at the butt crack of dawn. And I just, <laughs> yeah. I, mm, I don't know. The early bird gets the worm, I guess. But mm, I, good I Jesus. I ain't getting the worm or the snake or the anything, believe me. Um, but the text I got back from you was so delightful. I couldn't find it. I went back to find it and I don't know why. But do you remember what it is you sent me back? No. <laughs> it was something to the effect of, I did not need to wake up to the image of Dana Plato's furry bush on my phone. Yeah. yeah. Or something like that. I knew it had something to do with her bush. I knew yeah. it did. It was, it was the 80s, ladies and gentlemen. Oh. No judgment, but oh. yeah. Who was looking at that going, eh, just that's what I needed. <laughs> like, who did that finish off? Like, who, who's, whose Playboy magazine had that page with became sticky? You know? <laughs> I just, it was, ugh. Yeah. Well, uh, we have this wonderful episode now that we're going to be talking about. It is a, uh, it's actually an earlier episode than the one we did before. We had done one from season five, and now we're actually going back in time to season four of Different Strokes, episode two, called First Day Blues, and the original air date was October 29th of 1981. It was directed by Garen Keith. He directed most of the different strokes, 140 of them. He's an African-American director, and his directing credits include 72 Good Timeses, 87 227s, 113 Martinses, as well as Family Matterses, Valerieses, and now the different strokeses. The Valerie Harper's his token. Oh, she's the one. <laughs> Yeah, I'll do that white show. <laughs> and the why do you suppose that is? Why do you suppose that is? Um, why do you only do? Why do you only do black shows? Well, I imagine, particularly after the seventies, like after Good Times. I mean, and he did direct some of Good Times, but there was such a constant tension between writers' rooms full of white guys and sound stages full of black actors and the i think that it was maybe a well if we have a black director that's kind of a go-between he can kind of run interference help us not be too offensive in the script writing all right yeah now this episode was written by bruce taylor sometimes credited as bruce a taylor uh he is all over different strokes as far as being a producer, an executive story editor, a story editor and writer, uh, pretty much starting now here in 1981. This is the first of 18 episodes he would write. And by the end of 84, there would be 43 executive story editor credits. So uh, Bruce Taylor was uh, quite a presence in the writing of the show, starting here going forward. And uh, he would also go on after different strokes to produce 44 episodes of Small Wonder. No. Oh. Also, also writing three of those. Oh, so he's used to writing for actors that can't act. Okay. <laughs> 24 episodes of Out of This World. <laughs> and previously he wrote for Angie, Dukes of Hazard, and Too Close for Comfort. 
His credits end in 1991, interestingly, and he doesn't even have a Wikipedia page. He only has an IMDb, which is weird. So uh, this is uh, on a Thursday night. This is the season. We're at the beginning of the season where they broke up different strokes and facts of life because facts of life is starting its third season now facts of life was moved to 9 p.m on wednesdays right after real people so the night before this broadcast uh the facts of life season three premiere where 2d gets drunk called growing pains was the name of the episode not to be confused with the show but yeah it was the 2d getting drunk it was the season three premiere where we were like oh yeah it wasn't the strongest of all the yeah. eastland years uh, so this is interesting because we are in October and there are a lot of shows premiering. So, you know, I always love to look back and see what else was broadcasting that same night. What were the other viewing options? And other than different strokes, I know, I know. Is there anything else you would tune in to see? I don't know, Matthew, would you tune into ABC to watch Mork and Mindy? No. Would you tune in at 8.30 p.m. to watch Best of the West? No. Do you know what that was? No. It was a sitcom spoof that did run for a whole season, 22 episodes, and it starred Joel Higgins, better known as the dad on Silver Spoons. Was this before Silver Spoons? Yes. Yeah, Silver Spoons came later. And you know who else was on Best of the West? Leonard Frey. You know who Leonard Frey is? Oh my God, I haven't heard that name since. Oh my God. Huh. You don't know who it is. I have no idea. <laughs> you will remember he is Motel in Fiddler on the Roof, the film version. He's the boy who wants to marry the daughter. And of course, the breaking of the tradition where he and the daughter say, We want to get married. And the dad's like, uh, No, the parents pick who the daughters marry. Oh, that Larry Frey. Oh, Leonard. that Leonard Frey. Oh, I called him Larry. <laughs> um, that's why I haven't spoken to him because he got that part and I didn't. And you, I was so you were, wait a minute. You were up for the part of Modal in Fiddler on the Roof? Was. 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 Yeah. Why don't you think you got it? Why do you think they went with him? Well, I'm just saying I was not willing to play with Topol. <laughs> Not in the way he wanted. I was. I had ground rules back then that I no longer have, by the way, for our listening audience. Um, <laughs> I didn't want to play ball, so to speak. <laughs> or balls in, yeah. in this case, possibly. Uh, yeah, the other, sorry, this is a total sidebar, but I want to keep this in. Uh, this is a total sidebar here. Leonard Frey of Fiddler on the Roof, I did not realize. He also has another very important role in a very important film. He plays the part of Harold in The Boys in the Band. He's the guy who the birthday party is for. If anyone saw The Boys in the Band, anyone? Crickets? No? If you're not ready to jump off a bridge after watching Fiddler on the Roof, put in Boys in the Band. <laughs> and that is what will push you over the edge, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. Yep. It was a 1970 version of the 1968 play that ran off-Broadway where the entire stage cast reprised their film roles. And Leonard Frey was gay in real life, and he played a gay man in 1970, which is crazy. And for those who have seen the recent remake of The Boys in the Band on Netflix, the role I'm talking about is the role played by Zachary Quinto. 
Now, have you seen the remake, Matthew? No, I'd rather get fucked with the barbed wired baseball bat. <laughs> you don't Thank love you. boys in the band? Nope. Can't relate. Can't relate to like, the group oh, of... all these beautiful men. And I, no, no. They're, you think they're beautiful, really? You don't think Zachary Quinto is. Well, he's supposed to be the ugly one. Like they've they've given him. He, he's supposed to be the ugly one. I yeah. rest my case. We're done here. Move on. When, I don't want to live in a world where Zachary Quinto is supposed to be the ugly one. <laughs> Jesus, see what we're up against, straight people. Yes. This is what us gays deal with. Yeah, it's true. And the character is supposed to be potmarked. He's supposed to have bad skin which they do with a little bit of prosthetics. They did that in the original. And Zachary Quinto, in some of the scenes with the lighting, you cannot tell there's anything there. It's like, the like you say, the fear of making him look too un, unsavory or whatever. It's, it's Zachary Quinto, come on. Any hoozle. Um, so yeah, Best of the West, that was on 8.30 on ABC, followed by Barney Miller, and then taxi, and then at 10 o'clock p.m., 2020. Oh, what a horrible night for a kid. Uh, thank you. Grown-ups, yeah. I mean, Mork and Mindy, Mork and Mindy was, kids could relate. I like Mork and Mindy because of the cartoonish. I guess, but man, taxi. I love Danny DeVito. Uh-huh. You know, Danny DeVito's one of the richest men in Hollywood. Is he? Well, if we're judging by square inch. <laughs> Now on CBS, this is all according to TVTango.com, the only show they could verify was on CBS that night at 8 p.m. was Magnum P.I., the wonderful Tom Selleck and his mustache. Now on NBC, we had 8 p.m. Harper Valley PTA. Oh. Did you watch that? No. Ever? <laughs> I didn't either. I hear it's funny. I hear it was very cute. It was a Isn't fun show. Isn't it like Hooterville or whatever, kind of like kind of that kind of show? I think it's supposed to be like broader comedy, like a spoof of the suburbs of like a Green Acres kind of thing. I like don't that level think of so. comedy. Yeah, it was Barbara Eden's show, but it only didn't run. I think it only ran two seasons, and one of those seasons was short. There's not that many episodes. That's why it didn't really get rerun. Um, at 8:30 p.m., we had a, a series premiere called Lewis and Clark a new series starring the wonderful Gabe Kaplan. Oh, I'm out. After Welcome Back, Cotter, this show called Lewis and Clark only lasted a half a season, 13 episodes, and it's about a Jewish guy from Brooklyn who buys a country western club in Texas. Whoa, what a wacky premise. New York Jew in redneck Texas. Yippee-i-o-chay-i. <laughs> But this is 81, of course, Welcome Back Cotter was only four years. That ran 75 to 79. So Gabe Kaplan was looking for the next series. Uh, 9 o'clock p.m., different strokes, what we're watching now. At 9.30 p.m., trivia time, Matthew. Mm, okay. At 9.30 p.m., after different strokes, a mm. brand new series premiered. What show do you think it was? On Thursday nights. 1981. 1981. Okay. Um, would it give it away if you give me one of the stars of the show? It is a show where if I tell you the star of the show, that is it. This 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 show was the person who stars in it. Webster. 
NBCDR. Okay. And uh, uh, gee, we have different strokes. Different strokes is a show with people of color on it. Maybe yes. that can be the lead into this new show because it might hang on to its ethnic audience. Okay, so I'm guessing it's an African American. Yes. Uh, is it a woman? Yes. Oh God. Okay. In '81. Well, I'll I'll do you another thing. Okay. She had been on Broadway and I believe won a Tony. Oh Christ! It's not. Give me a break. Is it? Yes, sir. Oh, Give me a break. You could have said you hate her. <laughs> that <would've been> <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot you hate Nell Carter. Shit. <laughs> Dreadful bitch. Uh, yeah, we've we've talked about that. We don't need to rehash that. And one last thing, as we finish up this this deep dive on what else was running in television the previous night, because Facts of Life was in its season premiere for season three. It was followed by a show that was having its series premiere, brand new show. I'm not gonna make you guess it, Matthew, because you'd never probably guess it. Love Sydney, the Tony Randall show. <laughs> the show that was about a gay guy-ish, yeah. sort of. And you have to wonder <laughs> if Tony Randall went to his grave blaming the facts of life for the failure of his show. <laughs> well, it ran a couple of seasons. But if he was like, oh, they put me on after the facts of life. <laughs> the facts of life was building its audience. It was just going up from here. We're only in season three. Just, you know, I just always yeah. wonder. Yeah. I think more it's the <laughs> love Sydney is the reason why everybody thinks I'm a homo when... No, that's not why everybody thinks he's a homo, David. That's <laughs> sweet of you to, to say that, but no, that's not why. He fathered a child when he was in his 70s, didn't he? Well, did he, though? I mean... <laughs> like like the way Michael Jackson fathered a child? Yeah. Or two or three, however many. Yeah. Anyway, are you ready to get on with this, Ma Matthew? Could we start, please, oh Matthew? God. Could we start could, with the with the synopsis? Could we could we stay on focus, please? Yes. David. Could we David. please stay on task, Matthew? Matthew. Yes. Uh, so, Matthew, let me let you talk. For the rare moments I will allow it. Uh, why don't you give an overall synopsis of what the episode is? Okay. Um, Arnold wants to spend the night at Dudley's. <laughs> Remember when I said my new my new thing is gonna be to tell the when you ask for a synopsis to tell the B plot. Yeah, you totally should. Arnold wants to spend the night at Dudley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that does happen technically. Yes, um, but I, I if I may add on to that, yes, and mm -hmm. Willis is starting his first day in high school, and. In the process of trying to acclimate, he befriends some kids who convince him to buy pot. Grass, ladies and gentlemen. Smoking um, a doobie. Dope, if you will. Mary Jane. Um, <laughs> one of my notes is, Dana Plato probably had such a hard time getting through this episode with a straight face because it was clearly written by somebody who has never experienced drugs. <laughs> uh, uh, and yeah. I don't know how you get in show business without at least being around it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I know that you're, is, you've got nothing worse than Ovaltine going through you, but like, 
you've been around people that are high, haven't you? I was Stop just doing... looking at me like that. <laughs> what? What? I no, I wasn't looking in any weird way. Um, I was just doing a quick Google search. I wondered when the Just Say No campaign happened. This whole, you know, drugs are bad and just say no to them. And uh, that was 1982. And this is when... 81. Um, when so this Nancy is... Reagan appeared on, on Different Strokes. Did she? Oh, that's right. I forgot. She should have appeared on this one. Knocked that that doobie out of Willis's hand. I love the word doobie. I'm sorry. That's a great, it's a great word. word. It's it's comedy gold. Uh, yes. So, but the discovery along the way at the very very beginning of the episode, first line, Mister Drummond walks in to, to the bedroom where Willis is with Kimberly and. Tootie from the Facts of Life. It's like, oh, Tootie's here. Okay. And he walks in and he says, Willis, will you hurry up? Arnold left for school nine minutes ago. So Arnold left for school 10 minutes ago. So, oh, the camera started rolling and uh, you just missed him. He was here, but you missed him. Damn. Like Mr. Hart in nine to five. You just missed him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, and also, I mean, well, walking in is is a strong term for what Conrad Bain did on his entrance. I mean, he kind of, kind of flounces in a little bit, like he kind of. <laughs> you like, talk about how he kind of bounds and bounces. He is he is a, a jolly old millionaire, isn't he? Oh, I, yeah. For all the jokes that he drops, is that yeah. a is that is that like your way of saying like? He's a gay old man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, he's having a gay old time. He's having a jolly time. I mean, no, I just mean jolly as in he is particularly happy and he's always cracking terrible jokes. And I mean, he goes on to marry Dixie Carter. So we know Philip Drummond is no homo. All right. And then when Dixie Carter said, I'm fucking out of here and doing designing women, then we get, of course, the wonderful Marianne Mobley. But, um, we learned that Willis is nervous about his first day at a new school. It's his first day of high school. And Mr. Drummond tries to make light of it. Oh, I'll never forget my first day in high school. I got kicked out of class. Why, Dad? Why? What happened? I showed up at the wrong school. <laughs> and he laughs so long at his own joke. Mm. Like, not even like not even for comedic purposes. Like, he yeah. just... Oh, God, and in response... Tootie's first line is, um, and he says, oh, sorry, Willis, I thought this would make you feel better. And Tootie says, I don't think bad jokes are going to do it. And that's kind of like, okay, yeah. girl, you are a guest in this house. Throwing stones from your own lame-ass sitcom over there. <laughs> <laughs> but the deal is, it's like, you, that is clearly an Arnold line. That was clearly the line that Arnold would have said had he been there. There's no question. And this comes up regularly throughout the episode. Uh, so then we go on next. Oh, oh and the, the dad, Mr. Drummond, Philip, does say, um, well, let me drop you off in the limo since you're running late. So that's important. We do need to make note that the limousine that, that Drummond has is utilized. And school starts at 8.30 for Willis. Yeah. What time did school start for you? What time did your school start? Um, I can't remember. I think it was like 8.30, yeah. I feel like, you know, the under, the lower schools, like up to 
like grades one through six, I think it was like 930, but I think the junior high and high school was 830. Yeah, I don't remember at all. Yeah. It was like it was like 830 to 230 to 2.45. Uh, yeah, I think that's what it was. Um, so then we go on into the hallway of the school. We see Willis's awkward first day and he's bumping into people and dropping books and being all awkward. And here we go with the sitcom trope of what high school kids are like. Mm -hmm. Like, did anybody in your high school, David, as a senior ever be like, ew, a freshman, gross. Like, yeah. Seriously, nobody Not did that. Yeah, not aggressively so. Certainly, freshmen were looked, oh, God, aren't you adorable, you poor, sad little sap. Yeah. I mean, freshmen, yeah. underclassmen, yeah. But the deal is, yeah, this is, he is met with just venom and fire and fury from all these other people. Uh, the first guy who he runs into and makes him drop his books and then later finds out he's next door locker neighbors with who is just like, yeah, we just hurry up. I got to get to my locker. Jesus. Huh? Uh, it's an African-American boy. Did you recognize him, Matthew? I did not. That actor, and this is his only part. He doesn't come back. That was Clarence Gilliard Jr. Not Clarence Gilliard Jr. Oh, my God. Do you, do you know who that is? No, I do not. <laughs> he would go on to be in the movie Die Hard. Die he would Hard, be yep. in Top Gun and a regular in many TV series, including 20 episodes of Chips, 85 episodes of Matlock, and Whoa. his biggest, the thing that most people would know him from, as Chuck Norris's partner, James Trivet, in 196 episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger. I think the people that would know him from that and Matlock, David, are dead. <laughs> <laughs> Forgive me that recognizing him squeaked by. Yeah. Well, he's going to be in an upcoming season nine episode of The Facts of Life. That is still coming up. We're going to be discussing him. Uh, but at the moment, Matthew, he is an educator. He is an associate professor of acting at the College of Fine Arts at the University of Nevada in Las Vegas. Hmm. Who else do we know? who is a professor at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Oh my goodness, the wonderful Diana Eden. Our close there. personal friend. Yeah, well, my close personal friend. Hey, uh, um, hey. What? She, the, the, we've, we've corresponded. Does she text you? No. I just wanted to hear you admit it, that she didn't. So. She doesn't. We never exchange phone numbers. You and Diana Eden text. We? are like BFFs, girl. <laughs> really? <laughs> Everything's going wrong for him. And he's trying to like, okay, this is the problem that I have with the tropes. They act like these ridiculous things are just life-threatening. Willis goes to get a drink out of the drinking fountain and it, it the water hits him in his face. Yeah. And it's like you would think like he just got battery acid thrown on. <laughs> like, doesn't that happen every time you go up to a new water fountain? Yeah. First of all, water fountains. Ew. Remember when we used to use we, them? Yeah. That was, God, talk about a pre COVID thing that we'll probably never come back to. Wow. You remember, like, there was always that kid that would put his whole mouth on it? <laughs> 
Uh, uh, so then Willis bumps into a girl. And by the way, she is only credited as the girl. She is not given a name. All of the boys of, of all racial backgrounds are given names. This African-American girl, gorgeous by the way, is named the girl. That is maybe not racist, but certainly sexist. I have a problem with that. But the actress who plays her is Renee Jones. Oh my God, not Renee Jones. Yes, the Renee Jones, Matthew. Of course you what remember. Was she, what was she in 70 episodes of Mayberry RFD? <laughs> Something else? <laughs> she, between the, between the very next year, she would appear on Days of Our Lives. And between 1982 and 2012, Jeez. 30 years, she would appear on 1,627 episodes of Days of Our Lives in the roles of Nikki Wade and later Lexi Carver. Who was Nikki Wade's evil twin sister that came back to life that everybody <laughs> thought had died. <laughs> and now she's back from outer space. But a 30-year soap career, 1,600 episodes. Holy shit. Well, girl, and that just means that fucking Susan Lucci probably did twice as many because she was on All My Children since the 60s, for Christ's sake. Let's find out, shall when we? When she started on, my mom was always like, when she started on All My Children, she was a cheerleader at Pine Valley High. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. I just did this, uh, looked it up on IMDb. Uh, between 1970 and 2011, she was, um, Susan Lucci, in all of her different roles, was on 1,548 episodes. Our girl here, Renee Jones, was in 1,627. So this girl did more episodes of Days of Our Lives in 30 years than Susan Lucci did on All My Children in 31 years. Pretty cray-cray. That is. Well, they killed off Erica Kane for a little bit, didn't they? Yeah, I think she left and came back and she came back from the dead and was a zombie and then a stewardess and then a dragon, three-headed dog at the gates of hell and then a gap troll. Um, and last two interesting tidbits. Interesting, I'm making air quotes. Renee Jones is from Opalaca, Florida. Mm. Just outside of Miami. She's a Florida girl. And today she is retired. She did leave the soaps. I think she made her money and hopefully saved it. IMDB incorrectly lists that she is married to author John Grisham, who wrote The Client and Time to Kill and all that. That is not correct. John Grisham did marry a woman named Renee Jones, but not this Renee Jones. Maybe she, this Renee Jones, married a guy named John Grisham. It's possible. Anything's possible. Who lives in West Palm. He's got a lovely home. <laughs> Not much of a reader. Okay. <laughs> Any hoozle, um, Renee Jones in the role of the girl calls him a klutz, but is a tiny little bit flirty towards Willis. So then Willis uh, happens to see somebody he recognizes from junior high school. It's his friend Julio. Hello, Julio. He is an adorable child and clearly playing up the fact that he is Latino. He He's... might as well have a sombrero on his <laughs> hand and pulling a donkey. 
honest to God, he's, he is. It was like Cheech and Chong. Look, I can't be seen with you. You're a freshman, man. Like <laughs> it was, it was bad, and and it gets worse. Uh, but before we get worse, then Willis goes over and uh, oh, he tries to go back and talk to the girl again, like to sort of uh, maybe I can make good on her calling me a, a klutz and all that. So he walks over and says, uh, hey, mama, everything's OK now, blah, blah. He tries to play it cool. And then the two guys that she's with, it's a black guy and a white guy. Black guy is named Art. White guy is named Doug. And they're just the most horrific bullies. They're just terrible. Uh, God. Hello, Doug in your jeans. Hello, Doug, uh, with the lovely moose knuckle clearly dressing to the left. Oh, and his his butt was not terrible. I mean, the, the, the sleeveless T-shirt was just painted on. Uh, I'm a fan of Doug. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'd toss that salad till I hit a crouton. <laughs> Uh, art and you know is he's Italian. It's Italian, so it's probably furry. So, mm, I'd eat through that hundred acre wood like a piglet. <laughs> I think, interestingly, Matthew, I think he's actually Greek. I don't care. He can get it. <laughs> that would be a Greek salad you'd be tossing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. The, the the actor who plays art is brian whitley he doesn't have really he only has a, a handful of credits of acting uh but he was the he only has a handful of acting credits but he would go on to direct he is the as first assistant director for 21 episodes of star trek deep space nine that's like that's no slouch of a director there dude really that was, was a that big like show was that a sought after directorial thing? Uh, Did he beat know, out Scorsese for it? it it's not the new Leave It to Beaver. It's a fucking Star Trek series. It has some type of prestige attached to it. Does it? <laughs> um, then we have Doug, our boy Doug. The actor is Paul Carafotis. C A R A F O T E S. Thank you for spelling it. I was and, great. Yes, and uh, he's definitely trying to do a John Travolta Italian stallion sort of a thing. And at one point, he turns to the friend whose name is Art, A-R-T, and he says, Hey, Art! And it's like, oh, we're, we're doing a little Boston by way of New York, by way of whatever dialect this is that you're trying to do. But who cares, because he is so freaking cute and hot. And he was on 40 episodes of Knott's Landing after this. 40. So and if he, I need to see him in more tight pants, I know what to look up. <laughs> he was recently on six episodes of Damages. That's the Glenn Close lawyer show, isn't it? How dare you bring up Glenn Close to me? Oh, no. Do you, do you have a feud with Glenn I Close? I just, we're not allowed. I, I'm, she has decided. She likes to play a game where we pretend not to know each other in public, and it annoys me. <laughs> so if you walked up to Glenn Close yeah. as your friend, mm -hmm. she She'd would lie. say, who are you? Get the hell away from me. Yeah. Well, she'd probably call for the police. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, Paul Carafotis in his painted on t-shirt, in his tight jeans, with his manly moose knuckle, 
his dick definitely veering to the left. God bless him. That was the most enjoyable part of this whole episode. Yeah. But they are mean to Willis, so we're supposed to not like them. They're supposed to be the villains. And even and- stupid things about his clothes, and yet they were wearing the same clothes. Like, he was in a button-up, and the art was in a button-up. And I just... Yeah, you know. it's it sucks. It's, yeah, not good. And it's one of those... This is written by people who have clearly not been in high school in a long, long, long time. Uh, then we go back to the Drummond living room, and Kimberly and Tootie are chilling. And... The scene literally starts with, gee, Tootie, I really love that our school starts two weeks after the public schools. Yeah. So so we established, thank you, why they are there when everyone else is going to high school. Thank you. I did wonder. So I'm glad they at least justified it, though it was rather clumsy. And but so- also, they're establishing that Dana Plato still goes to Eastland. Are they still trying to sell us on that? I'm not buying so we're led to believe that she commutes from New York City to Peekskill for high yeah. school? It, it's, it never made sense because she allegedly was a student at Eastland when Mrs. Garrett was spun off back yeah. in Garrett's Girls at the end of season one. So it's th- this whole pretense of, well, the spinoff of the show is that it's it was Kimberly's school where Mrs. Garrett went. Uh, I don't know that we ever see Kimberly there, even in the season two premiere where the kids and, and Mr. Drummond show up just to say hi and bring Arnold along just to boost the ratings. There's never a sense of, I go to school here. Mm-mm. So I'm not buying it, not buying it there, writers. Uh, so then we have ring, ring, phone call. Hello. Oh, hi, Arnold. Oh, no, daddy isn't home. How is your first day at school? Yeah. Uh, what? So he's calling her from the... Um, anyhow, the dad does come in and he says, oh, hello, Arnold. And we only see this side of the phone conversation. We don't cut away to Gary Coleman. There is no Gary Coleman. How very Suzanne Summers of them. <laughs> yep. Hi, Chrissy. Gee, sorry you couldn't work out your contract negotiation. Sucks to be you. Uh, so then Mr. Drummond says... Yes, Arnold, you can stay at Dudley's tonight and we will. And then immediately and immediately that old perv. What does he start talking about with Arnold over the phone? I don't remember his socks and underwear. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) These are questions that I believe are, are things that I might ask. Well, I probably have asked you, David. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> what? what? How, how how long have you been wearing those underwear? Um, I just okay. It just is like really. That's the first thing you go to. Okay. Tell well, me he about says socks and underwear, Arnold. And now tell me about Dudley's. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of it's parental. It's they change your socks and underwear. He goes, okay. Yes, you can borrow some from Dudley. Just make sure that he hasn't already worn them type of a thing and then there's something about not mine yours or it's a it's it's a weird somehow um, not even being in the episode and arnold still gets the biggest laugh of the fucking episode (laughs) (laughs) he still Uh, gets the best fucking jokes and he's not even in the show true so true so then in comes willis and he tells everybody about what a terrible day he had he made a jerk of himself and tootie says yeah but outside of that what went wrong 
can I ask you this? And this is a topical question. Um, what uh, has the term jerk changed meanings since I, the seventies? I, I get the idea that like back then, if you, you were a jerk, if you were like an idiot, you know what I mean? Yeah. But now I think of a jerk. I'm like, Oh, he's a bastard. Like, Oh, he's such a jerk. Yeah. But like, like with with um what's his pussy um Steve Martin in the jerk he wasn't mean he was just an idiot oh yeah so I never he, ever thought of that you're right like he says oh I made a jerk of myself like that seemed like a very dated word to use yeah no you're right because nowadays a jerk is an asshole and then if you're not sure that the writers might be in their early one hundreds Willis says. In junior high school, I was a star athlete, class president. I had lots of friends, and now I'm just a... Uh... And Kimberly says, schnook. Where did, where did she learn this Yiddish word? <laughs> schnook! What the uh, fuck? And yeah, schnook is, I'm just Googling this to be sure that I am correct, that it is a Yiddish word that means a gullible or stupid person. It's right up there with, you know, schmuck, which is actually more of a, a penis, I think, a, you know, a, a dick thing. But like, you know, schnook, schmuck, schlemiel, schlamazel, those are all the Yiddish words that are for a, a, a stupid person or a put upon or whatever. And And it's like, Yes. Why would Kimberly, if she wasn't being fed the lines by vaudevillian, Borscht Belt, Catskills writers? I, uh, Jesus. He might as well have turned around and said, that's right, dame. <laughs> you got a nice set of pins on you. But, uh, but, uh, so, yes. So, Mr. Drummond tries to help and says, well, the best way to make friends is to get people to talk about themselves. So he gives them a group of questions about, you know, what's your favorite TV show? How was your summer? All that stuff. And then Tootie, again, you are a guest in this house, young lady. And Tootie has to add on, yeah, Willis, it's called sucking up. And, that's what Arnold would have said. Yeah, it Arnold just... would have made a sucking joke. <laughs> sometimes people make jokes about things that hurt them the most, David. <laughs> just going to leave that there. Oh, okay. Wow. That, that, that took a turn. Uh, so then the next day we go to back to the school. Willis tries to befriend the kids by repeating the dad's questions. When but you like think rapid fire. Like, <sighs> I mean, like you have no social skills, Willis. Yeah. Like you're just like, you're suddenly this awkward, like immediately. And he also, he sees them. Dude, they were rude to you yesterday. Go find other friends. Yes. Why are you still trying to <laughs> crack this nut? What these a schmuck. I'm not going to be friends with these people. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. But before they start laying into him again, they're like, whoa, 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 you're famous. And he's like, huh? And he's like, we saw you getting out of a big limo yesterday. So you must be loaded. Rumor has it you live in a big penthouse on Park Avenue. So very quickly, they invite him to a party 
going to be a lot of girls there and there's going to be a lot of grass. They invite him to a party to which um, Willis responds, a party? Like he's six and mm-hmm. has just been told he's going to get ice cream. Yeah. I nope, just, you're right. There are wonderful child actors out there. Nancy McKeon is one of, was one of them. Yeah. How did he get through that audition to get the part on a fucking sitcom. He already had a series under his belt, you realize. He was on Fish, remember? The, the oh, kids? Oh, God, yes. The, the Foster Kids on Fish. That's where we first got Todd Bridges before this. That was the show Ugh. that kind of put him on the map. But um, yeah. Anyway, they say, uh, we'll tell you where the party is, but you have to be the one to get the grass. And he's like, grass. Okay. For the kids out there, grass is marijuana. Yes. I don't don't... know that anybody who's ever actually smoked marijuana has referred to it as grass, but that's what the term they've decided to go with for this particular very special episode. Yeah. Not since 1971, I don't think uh, that term has been used. Well, then he's like, fuck, what am I going to do? I just told him I'd get the drugs and I don't know where. So... Who does he go to to ask, where can I acquire drugs? He goes to his Latino friend, Julio. Racist. Racist. (laughs) He might have to go to the barrio to, quote, score a lid. A lid of grass. And the worst part is Julio knows it's about $150 an ounce. By today's standards, that is $429.83. Marijuana, $429 per ounce. You're shaking your head no, Matthew. You're paying $489 for weed. I would like to uh, meet you, and I have some land to sell you in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Because I know that you have friends who have known people who may or may not have smoked marijuana. A completely legal substance, yes. Not recreationally in Florida. Mm-hmm. But we're white, so it kind of is. Oh, jeez. <laughs> well, don't say we. I'm not. Mm-mm. I mean, don't. it's always been legal for us. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, that's, that's not wrong, sadly. His response to them asking him to get weed, Willis is like acting like he's trying to get heroin. Like, <laughs> I mean, I just get so offended by the absolute fucking demonization of marijuana. Yeah. It's, it's just so ridiculous yeah. to watch. And like a hundred, like you said, $150 for an ounce. Who are these people? <laughs> they are writers. They are comedy writers in LA in 1981. They know how much weed costs. Yeah. Well, you know what? They might not. They know what Coke costs. That's right. <laughs> they right. probably have moved on, and that's what's keeping them awake for the overnight rewrites. But yeah, eighty-one cocaine was much more prevalent. But and, it's so uh, funny because, like, um, Tom Segura does a great um, bit about our kids are never going to understand what we used to have to go through to get weed. Yeah. It's like you would you would have to go to like the worst part of town and go to like a standalone trailer. <laughs> Some guy would come out with a gun and be like, you trying to get a sack? <laughs> you like pay him money and then you drive home. So according to the law and like 
kids are not going to believe what we used to have to fucking go through to get $25 worth of weed. (laughs) Well, he doesn't know where to get the drugs. That would be the the really bad thing is if Julio had said, uh, and (laughs) either I know a guy or look, I have some right here in my polished black cotton members only jacket. Yeah. But um, in fact, he said, I don't know. So we go to commercial on the note of Willis going, speaking out loud in soliloquy, as it were, what am I going to do, man? Grass is the game and mud is my name. (laughs) What is he on the little rascals for Christ's sake? uh, I hope they have the shelves uh, cleared for the Emmys that will be showered upon them for this mud is my name my name is you know what you're a schnook and your name is mud (laughs) now get off the grass and pull yourself together (laughs) next thing i know you're going to be making hooch in your bathtub (laughs) so then after we come back from commercial uh we willis comes into his bedroom does the whole checking to make sure the coast is clear and in his shirt somehow he has acquired a baggie with like, we're talking a gallon sized freezer baggie with the weed. I feel like something was cut out of the rerun. I don't have the DVDs of different strokes, surprise. Like where he got it or how he got it? Or... Yeah, where he got it or how in the world, um, he. this is only half of the quote unquote lid, which is supposedly the equivalent of an ounce. So that is half an ounce of wheat. That looks to me more like a half a brick is a brick a, a measuring of weed do you know um, kind i mean i've heard yeah <laughs> yeah but it's that looks to me like a lot yeah it was more than an ounce <laughs> it was i was just gonna say or in this case a half an ounce it was 150 dollars lid and he only paid 70 so he somehow got this half of it and he needs all of it for the party so he needs another one of these yeah. As soon as he takes it out and we get the little ooh from the audience, the girls are, hey, Willis, we're just walking in the room. And he's like, nah, has to cover it. So the girls barge in. So they're right there. And then first thing, Willis, in talking to them, how was your day at school? Oh, much better. I'm going to a party. Hey, can I borrow some money? And Dana Plato's like, sure. And he says, yeah, $75. And she and Tootie are like, what? That's, I mean, there he's a high school freshman asking to borrow $215. Yeah. That's a lot. So, um, and then another Gary Coleman line delivered by Kim Fields. No, Kimberly, we should lend it to him. Now, let's talk interest rates. Yep. Such an Arnold yep. line. Wonder if she got paid extra that week. <laughs> to be, I, I, you wonder where where in the process in in the week that they have to put one of these episodes together how quickly how late in the game do they have to throw her in there and quickly you know rewrite the lines just to adjust what she's doing there you know and rewrite that phone call so willis goes into the bathroom into the other room and we know that he had put the weed in the top center drawer of his desk so as uh, Tootie and Kimberly start to leave the room. Tootie says, oh, weren't we supposed to feed Arnold's goldfish? 
And Kimberly goes, oh, that's right. And Tootie says, I'll do it. Where does he keep the fish food? And she says, in that drawer right there. And the audience is all, Ooh! and Tootie opens a drawer, pulls there's out an, the- there's an, audi there's an audible audience member that goes, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> like you hear somebody in the audience go, oh yeah. no. Like she's yeah. like, I, don't, I would be sitting next to that woman if I was watching this. She'd be, oh, I think I see what's coming. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, he's going to feed weed to the fish. Oh, God. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Shut up, lady. <laughs> but Tootie opens up the bag and smells it, and she recognizes it how we don't know how Tootie knows what weed smells like. Well, didn't wasn't season one the dope episode of facts of life but she she wasn't in the room when that all happened yeah. she and natalie just went and got the bongs remember for the for the jelly beans yeah. <laughs> but here's an interesting moment i don't know if you saw it matthew tootie opens up the bag smells and she's like whoa does a full reaction and then she just says to dana plato how often does arnold feed this to the fish and Dana Plato says, oh, three times a day. And Tootie looks at the goldfish bowl and says, this has got to be the goofiest goldfish in the world. That line is looped in later. She does not say goofiest. It's something else. And I can't figure out what it is from reading her lips. Did you notice that? No. Hold on, please, Matthew. Does Arnold feed him this? Twice a day. <laughs> this has got to be the goofiest goldfish in the world. You see that? Yeah. I, is it happiest? Is that it, what it says? It looks like happiest. This has got to be the happiest goldfish in the world. Which is a weird line, and then her after that is all uncomfortable. Not a <laughs> this this fish is getting baked. <laughs> of course, my first thought is it was something racier. It was something you know. This has got to be the highest goldfish in the world. And did they yeah. not want to use the word high on a network television show? They do use the word high in the episode. They do. I, you're I right. I think they did. I think they didn't want to. If it's happiest, which it looks like, yeah. I don't think they wanted to imply any kind of goodness. There you go. That's probably right. That, right. No, no, we can't say drugs make you happy. Right. So instead we get the line, this has got to be the goofiest yeah. goldfish in the world. That's mm -hmm. weird. And the laughter after it is also canned that they then blend with whatever the actual laugh was. But yeah, it is at 22 minutes and 42 seconds in the video which also contains all the commercials and stuff so um yeah listeners uh, what do you think we think it's happiest i wasn't even sure of that before matthew confirmed it so uh yeah let us know what you think i and mean Kim i just gave my opinion you might want to ask alexa oh <laughs> i know how you like to double it check all comes back to that wow so now we go into a vaudeville style um wait is that what happens next david yeah kimberly sees it and figures out what it is willis comes in and says yeah i got it and they're like where did you get that oh my god it's illegal dad'll have a cow and then in in bounds mr drummond and willis does like a tackle on the bed on top of the bag to hide it yeah 
then then we get the vaudevillian i'm practicing for football season tackling and stuff and he's like oh well you got to be careful with that artificial turf or do they have grass ha ha and then it's uh he's not high yet he's not high yet is he no no okay okay and then um and then he's like so how was school and he's like oh it was really good he goes oh good um i'm glad you were so down yesterday i'm glad to see today you're flying high yeah this had to be a difficult scene for um druggy plato to get i mean dana plato <laughs> to get through because and you can kind of see it on her face like when they when they cut her she's kind of got a look on her face like this is so ridiculous like yeah there's some there's some understanding i think that miss plato has that, <laughs> that goes beyond her acting ability wow um and then the last thing is uh they let's go out to dinner and willis is like no i i gotta study i got other stuff to do and he's like okay so i guess i'll just leave you here at the house alone because we don't have a maid still we we didn't have we don't have pearl we don't have adelaide we okay but um he says i'll just find something to eat in the fridge and uh is it two d no i think it's i think it's kimberly who says yeah really why don't you try a potluck yeah um potluck is a party where everybody brings something and you all share potluck is not something you find in the fridge when you need something to oh writers oh writers well she's hard pressed for a pot joke david what do you want from miss plato <laughs> but this is after they made a joke about being turned on or something again another reference that is like 1920s when somebody yeah. was high they were turned on yeah <laughs> um, you remember that um b arthur rock hudson's um song everyone today is turning on oh but yeah for some it's grass for some it's weed you yeah. know or whatever but no you're right so old-fashioned terms that they're throwing around mm -hmm. so then next scene willis is still in the bedroom and he is now actually smoking the weed okay may i address this david please do matthew he has somehow <laughs> scored an exorbitant amount of weed <laughs> and rolled a joint thank you do you know how hard it is to roll a decent joint david i don't it is <laughs> not easy it's an art it's, <laughs> is I, it? I i will tell you and cut this out if you like i cannot roll a joint wow at all i mean and i was in texas in the 60s and lady bird tried to show me how to do it on her boot <laughs> it was for the return of lbj and i thought i was going to get a spanish blowjob that's why i went because i heard lbj but <laughs> so somehow this kid has learned how to roll a joint he's sparking up a dube yep in his room you have a patio thank Willis. you they have a they have a balcony in that grand palatial living room so then downstairs the others come home from dinner so has he been smoking the entire hour or two they've been gone and then they quickly smell the weed and then they go upstairs and willis is just laying on the bed and he just goes hi you can say that again ha <laughs> ha 
<laughs> That's comedy, my friend. And then Matthew, I think we are both probably in agreement that now we have to survive Todd Bridges acting like he is high, but playing it as though he were drunk. Am I correct? David, I'm going to shock you here. Yes. My notes say, is he drunk or high? That watching this performance is is terribly upsetting, and it's asking a lot of a teenage boy who, I mean, not that Todd Bridges didn't do his share, but I think this was a little early in his journey, shall we say, yeah. to ask a teenager to act high or drunk. Uh, to, it is, it is as an actor, it is a pet peeve of mine when people have to play high that have clearly never even been in the room with marijuana. Yeah. And it's like, I saw a production of hair one time and I was like, ugh, these people acting high and they're acting like they just took a hit of ecstasy for Christ's sake. <laughs> like so zoned out and there's, so, it's not a psychedelic. It's not like mushrooms for Christ's sake. Yeah. The walls aren't going to melt. All yeah. right. You're not chasing a dragon. Yeah. But <laughs> like, I, from what I understand, marijuana just makes you chill. Like, it's awesome, David. <laughs> <laughs> You've heard. I've heard tell. It is awesome. I will tell you this. <laughs> um, I will tell you what my uncle told me. Marijuana is for appreciating, not creating. So don't get high and think you've written the next greatest American Broadway musical. Oh, okay. instead get high because only when you're high, can you watch leave it to beaver and think Barbara Billingsley is the greatest American actress to ever be on television. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're ever going to get high, keep it in a, keep it in a observatory situation. Okay. I, I will remember that if I ever decide to stop being a teetotaler. You're welcome. Uh, so then we, uh, dad, he, we don't need to belabor this. He admonishes Willis. He's like, do you do other drugs? Have you done other stuff? And he goes and he flushes it down the toilet. And he says, Willis, if I ever catch you doing anything again, I will take you to the police station myself. <sighs> oh, there's nothing more heartbreaking than watching weed go down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so then. Did Willis learn his lesson, Matthew, when we returned to school did, the next day? Did he learn his lesson? How do we know that? Well, because you have to you have to wonder. I mean, with this brilliant writing, if they're gonna throw you a curveball, but I'm pretty sure he's gonna tell off the bullies mm -hmm. and the audience is going to give him his self-righteous applause. Yep. And when he tells the boys he did not get the drugs and he will not be providing them for the party. They say, forget about it. We don't want to see you again. Get lost. And Willis says, you're the one who's lost, brother. Yes. Um, and then and he again, adds. A high school trope of sitcoms where it's like, they act like that's the biggest insult he's just heard, he's ever heard. Yeah. That, that's the kind of insult that a kid would anyway. Terrible. Yeah. 
and then he even tags it with, anyway, who needs you if I have to buy your crummy friendship? Oh, okay. For the subtlety impaired, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> and then they leave and then this little kid this little this little child this little oh, little pumpkin hi henry little henry Aww. he walks up and says hey aren't you willis from junior high school football oh my god you better stop it with all that precious henry <laughs> have you seen his name is michael sharrett is the actor do you see pictures of him in a, in a couple of years i would like to share it with him <laughs> not now because he's le he's 14 i think in this thing but oh, God, Jesus he got he he does uh grow into being a very attractive young man are we talking like bubba and mama's family kind of thing mm -hmm. look up michael sherritt you see the pictures yeah he's not terrible to look at uh, uh i wouldn't kick that out of bed for eating crackers no and if i did i'd fuck him on the floor <laughs> yeah no he's he's turned turned out to be very attractive but clearly get out of the biz but yeah so the big thing is like he actually says so you have room for another friend <laughs> this poor little sad henry and thankfully willis is like of course great let me buy you lunch because willis okay. is like a star to him and no, willis says no no you don't have to do that oh wait a minute I am a little short because we know you just spent $75 for all that weed that got flushed down the toilet. Ha <laughs> ha! And with that, thus ends the episode. Different oh, strokes. And a sigh of relief comes over the audience, except for the one lady who was like, oh no! <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> She's going to be goldfish. <laughs> no, Anna! <laughs> Stop it. Oh no. And the same that leads the probably. Yeah. So with this, this also ends the only episode of Different Strokes in which Gary Coleman did not appear. This is the only one? I believe, isn't it? I don't know. I thought this was the only one. Maybe my research is flawed. And also, as I'm looking, <clears throat> the kid who played Dudley yeah, on the show, it has him listed as Dudley Johnson and Dudley Ramsey. Ramsey? Did they try to play off that he was Tootie's little brother? What? D Dudley's white, isn't he? No! Who am I thinking of? Oh, I'm thinking of Sam. I'm oh, sorry. God. I'm thinking of Sam, the, the red-headed kid that's, I think, Dixie Carter's son that becomes Arnold's yeah. stepbrother. I, I I don't know. Was he supposed to be? Oh, Dudley Johnson was Arnold's new best friend who, like Arnold, was adopted. Um, other recurring characters over the third season were Let Terry as Dudley's adoptive father, Ted Ramsey. And it's definitely not Tootie's dad. It's not like Tootie's dad adopted another kid. In the episode Football Father. So he's a football player or a football coach or something. Anyway. Well, Matthew, that's episode 15. Can you believe we've been doing this for for 15 months now? We've been providing this extra entertainment to our devoted Tutti Fruities. I cannot believe that you call this entertainment. But, okay. <laughs> I mean... Well, until next month, we are going to leave you with saying, 
I wish you could see Matthew's hair. It is absolutely crazy, insane, amazing. So until next month, darling Tutti Fruities, we love you and we will talk to you soon. But goodbye and mwah. Oh, bye. I'm sorry. David has been teasing me the whole show by lifting his arms and showing me like sweat stains. And he knows what that does to me. What? I'm, I'm just, <laughs> Stop. I'm, just I'm, I'm sorry. I'm cutting. I, I'm turning this off. I'm cutting. I'm turning this off now. Okay. Different strokes to move the world.